TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. All right, we are back, and as promised, starting things off by talking Twins baseball. Again, the Twins have a 12-10 game in Detroit today. means we're off the air at 11 o'clock. A lot of interest uh, in the last couple of weeks, pre- preparation uh, for, and then the actual um, draft uh, for the Twins. And we've got a chance now to talk to Sean Johnson. He was the uh, person of the Twins in charge of it. A lot of people involved, but ultimately he's the one who is in the room when they make the call. Uh, Sean, uh, going into this, we heard a lot about maybe a shortage of pitching in this draft. Seems to be reflected in the choices the Twins made. Yeah, I think uh, there was definitely on the college level and and also the high school ranks uh, that that market kind of thinned out pretty quick, uh, even at the end of day one and into day two. So which left us a lot of hitters to choose from, position players, uh, both high school and college. We went obviously the college route on day two. Those guys are easier to sign on day two, and uh, we felt good about the guys we got. Sean, somebody asked me this. When, when you guys are critiquing pitchers, is there a minimum that they have to be able to throw? Do they have to hit 90? Is there something there where you start at and you say, well, if you can't get to there, there there's no more conversation? Yeah, I, I get that question a lot. I think it just depends. You know, guys in the big leagues now are throwing harder than ever before. Yeah. So when when 90 used to be kind of the, you know, if you threw 90 miles an hour 20 years ago, you were a first-round talent probably. And – um you know, now we can we can go watch a guy throw 90 miles an hour and not turn him in as a as a prospect. <laughs> so it de- depends on the secondary pitches, the curveballs, the sliders, the command, the ability to start, the body, the size. Is he projectable? If he's throwing 90 now, will he be able to grow into some velocity down the road as he matures physically? Some of, those are some of the things we look at that that kind of make it a case by case thing. Sean, as you start signing guys, how do you make the determination as to where they go? Obviously, most of them one way or another are going to stay in Florida. Uh, you got a kid from out of college uh, last year. You, you had uh, Trevor Larnick. Do you, you know, who gets advanced to Elizabethan? Yeah, I, I think uh, our younger guys, so you know, most all of our high school players that we sign go to the GCL and start out in Fort Myers. And then um, you know, our, our advanced college guys, guys that – we're playing in the SEC, ACC, Pac-12, Big Ten, uh, those kind of uh, conferences. They they usually start in Elizabethan, and then you know they'll either stay there for the the summer, or sometimes they'll end up in Cedar Rapids, depending on you know if one team or the other is in a playoff race. Some of those things are personnel decisions that Jeremy Zoll and our player development guys make a decision on. And I think that the the baseline is where do you start the player to allow them the best chance to get some confidence and success right away. You drafted a couple of Stillwater kids that uh, will probably go play at Oregon State, uh, Frisch and Gilbert. And I find it kind of interesting when I watch Gilbert pitch because he's only about 5'9", five, 5'10". Five, he's left-handed, and yet you can't deny this kid has a, you know, an electric arm. And, and you can't help but think when you're out in Stillwater in particular, it reminds you a little bit of Glenn Perkins. Did you see that at all in him? Yeah, I think that's a, a fair comparison. I, I think he's a guy who... Why he's not physically, uh, you know, he's not six four, but in his mind he pitches like he's six four. Yeah, he sure does. And I've seen him pitch, so he 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 pitches beyond his size. And uh, what a competitor! Both those guys, um, extremely talented. And I think it's important that people know that, you know, they they went in the the latter part of the draft, but those guys are top ten round talent uh, type players. And uh, you know, going to Oregon State, I I wouldn't blame a kid ever to go to Corvallis and spend some time there. It's a great place to be and go to school. So we know they have strong commitments and they'll probably end up there. And, uh, and again, I, I'm excited for them and hopefully we'll get a chance if we don't sign them this summer to do it again in three years. Sean, talk about your number one draft choice. And then I was watching MLB.com off and on, and it was either the fourth or fifth round. You picked a, an infielder and guys would sleep a little bit. Boy, did they wake up and like that draft choice. Tell us about that uh, young man who's, they said, whose uh, stock maybe fell in his junior year, but they were very high on. Yeah, Will Holland is a, yeah. a shortstop at Auburn that we, we really, you know, going into, if the draft was in January or February, before the season started, he would have gone on the on the first day. So um, a lot to like from a tools perspective. 
He can run, throw. We think he's a shortstop long-term, and he's got raw power and bat speed. Now, he just had a – he didn't perform well this spring, but he had a nice summer last summer in the Cape Cod League. And uh, so it's a great – it's a great piece of clay for our player development who's doing wonders with a lot of our players. Um, a chance to kind of buy low on a guy who, um, you know, if they get him figured out and straightened out, then, he, you know, the sky's the limit for that player. Sean, if you draft, let's just say, 20 infielders in the draft, I don't know how many you took, how many of them are shortstops right now? Of the ones we took? I mean, what would be the percentage? Are, just, are most infielders yeah. that are drafted shortstops with the exception of left-handed first baseman, et cetera? Most of them, most of them could probably stand at shortstop because hopefully we're drafting athletic enough guys. Yeah, that's my point. Here. Yeah. Now it's it's it, the the reality is it's hard to play shortstop in the big leagues because there's so many guys who have so much ability and they make it look so easy. And uh, so a lot of times that a guy can stand there get but gets pushed off the second or third because there's just a better guy in front of him. So um, a guy like Royce Lewis, we think can stay there long term because he's so athletic. And he throws enough and he moves enough that he can make all the plays that there won't be someone better that comes along. So it's, it's like I said, it's hard to stay there long-term. And most of these guys, while we think they have a chance to stand it short or end up playing other positions. And then, you know, being athletic enough to play short allows you to play left and right. And for, you know, you could play anywhere on the diamond, which in today's game is, is a valuable thing. Sean, uh, we barely touched the the topics. I just looked at uh, Mike. We'd like to uh, give you a call in a couple of weeks, have you back on. It's going to be fun after these guys start to sign here a little bit more about them. So uh, I think we just teased our, our listeners. <laughs> I think <audience>. so, too. <laughs> so we appreciate you coming on this morning, and uh, I want to tell you to stay tuned. We're going to check back in with you. No problem. We'd Th- love to anytime. Thanks, Sean. Appreciate it much. Thanks, guys. All right, that's uh, Sean Johnson. We're going to uh, keep the topic on in a ball, but this will be softball, and we'll talk to Jamie Traxel, the Gopher softball coach, right after this. Sports Huddle, Sid, Dave, and Mike. We are back. Hoping to catch up with Jamie Traxel here in the next whole couple minutes. Mike, until that happens, let's talk a little Twins baseball. I made some notes when I came here this morning. One is pitching. i got to believe there's one or two more moves yet to happen. Uh, they've called up almost everybody they've got. I think the next thing is the trade route. Uh, and then the next is I ran the numbers this morning. Sano with three strikeouts and four at bats yesterday, strike strikeout forty three percent of his at bats. Yeah, he's something, and, and you know th- this is the best lamp for him to be in because he can strike out three out of four, and every, if he hit, brings a little thunder once in a while, he can get away with it without the you know he's not hitting in the three hole anymore, or the yeah. four hole where you have to have production. So from that standpoint, it's the best case scenario for him because they take a lot of pressure off of him. Uh, but I agree. I think that um, they'll be – I don't know how long they're going to have to wait before they start making deals, but I think you know there's going to be so many relief pitchers available here. Oh. And and the only question is, do they want to set themselves up for a, a closer or not, or do they want to maybe go get two closers and make them you know, seventh, eighth, and ninth guys with uh, Taylor Rogers. Parker's been a little bit up and down. Uh, McGill, you have to wonder how much longer he's going to be with McGill, you saw what happened with Tell. They left him out to, to dry there yep. last week and, and sent him uh, – on his way, so I would think that it's going to be um, uh, that sooner or later. The only question is, do they want to wait a little bit to see what they have to give up? But I think it's going to be so easy to make trades this year because everybody's out of it almost. I mean, in this division, uh, Cleveland's got a faint hope, and that's faint. Yeah, and there's some really good relief pitchers out there. You're not going, as you said, you're not going to have to give up too much for them. You, no. you look at what teams want. A lot of times, they want the payroll relief. Uh, to get rid of some of those those guys. I think that the, you know, you have to wonder, the starting pitching in the last week started to show just a couple of things that made you worry a little bit. And, uh, you know, there's still the rumors out there. Stroman's out there. He's available. You know, and Bumgarner, uh, Bumgarner's contract's done at the end of this season. Stroman's got another year left. Uh, You look at in the past years, how little it seems some teams had to give up to get some of those established guys just for the payable relief. I wonder if the Twins might be on the phone. Yeah, and I think the Twins are all in. I, I don't think payroll is a problem. I don't think any of that, you know, I, I don't think there's Length any of contract was a problem last week. They didn't want to go a third year. I don't blame them. Length of contract. I, I never thought, you see, I always thought they'd be scared of those two, just with Kimbrough and Keiko because yep. of uh, what happened last year with Lance Lynn. And, and I always thought that they'd want to get somebody that was, had performed, you know, through spring training. and Because yeah. you know, guys accept that. When they come in here and they haven't thrown for a while, there's a lot on their mind. Because not only are they integrating themselves into a new clubhouse, but they're going... Do I still have it? Yeah. You know, whereas the guy that's been pitching for the last few months, you know, he just he just takes a new uniform and it's a lot easier transition for him. So I, I was not surprised they backed off of those two. 
No, but they were in on them. Mm-hmm. Uh, every conversation said that they were in. It wasn't the money, uh, you know. But ultimately, I don't blame them at all. Not wanting to go third year. And, and, and I don't know if Keiko and Kimbrough. I mean, those are pretty good options that they took too. I right. mean, you know. Yeah. You, although I think you know, we, we used to talk about how you know why would you want to come north to pay for the twins? This is if I'm a pitcher. Give, give me Are you kidding twins, me? Man. Give You're, me the twins. Absolutely. I th- they're on everybody's list of where you would go to. We're going to take a break here. Uh, I'm going to give the phone numbers. I'm not sure if we're going to get hold of Jamie in the next uh, few minutes. If we don't, we'll take maybe three, four phone calls during that time. So a little early to do it, but we'll do it right now. 651-989-9226. Call us now. We'll probably talk to you right after this. Sports Huddles, Sid, Dave, and Mike. All right, we are back. Once again, the phone number is 651-989-9226. Got three lines open. If you want to call us right now, let's go to first Tim and Blaine. Tim, good morning. What's on your mind? Hi, uh, this is Ken. Um, oh, Ken. I'm sorry, Ken. Yeah, I have a question on the uh, Ohio State sexual abuse situation, and I was wondering what the status is currently and whether Ohio State will be penalized for this uh, particular situation. Uh, Mike, I'm going to take a shot at that one. I don't think that one has been fully judged. I think that what the NCAA generally does is allow the institution to take a look at what they're going to do. That's how they handle mm-hmm. Michigan State. And then uh, if they're not satisfied with that, then, then they can uh, take further action. I think that, uh, unless I missed it, somebody else could call in with an update. But I think that one is still under discussion, and the, there may yeah. be additional bodies uh, you know, going to fall uh, on that one. Yeah, it, it's pending, as I understand, but it, I guess the only – you know, when you talk about from coaches, you know, how do you penalize? Well, only if there's a cover-up on, right. you know, if coaches are covering things up. We found lying in investigation. Yeah, and stuff that like that. But, I mean, it, it, these are kind of independent investigations that, you know, uh, this guy could get sentenced. Obviously, he will probably get sentenced. Yeah, too. ironically, uh, Kevin Warren is going to be our guest yeah. at ten fifteen. We're going to have a lot of other things to talk to him. He was new incoming commissioner of the Big Ten, and certainly, you know, the Michigan State situation, which appears to be resolved, but there's still a civil uh, side to that. Ohio State. Uh, one a friend of mine was saying to me, it's tough to be a coach at a state institution in the Big Ten. You had Penn State first with Joe Paterno, <laughs> and then the Michigan State, and then Ohio State. Uh, let's go to another caller here, Craig in Waconia. Go ahead, Craig. Yeah, my question is for the Timberwolves. Uh, what are you guys hearing about uh, Derek Rose, uh, Covington, uh, Jeff Teague? And uh, it'll be fun to read Derek's uh, book when it comes out in September. And I'll hang up and just listen to your voice. Thank you. Well, I can tell you, uh, Ricky Rubio, there's a lot of guys that would love to get Ricky Rubio back here, but they'd have to move Teague to do it. Uh, I don't know if Rubio is excited about coming back here or not. Uh, Utah hasn't made him priority one. Teague's got $19 million. They'd love to trade him. I don't know who they're going to trade him to. Covington they want to see because they think he has an upside. They didn't get to see much of it because he was injured last year. Derek Rose, I, I'd say 50-50 on that one, although I did notice they've got him on the picture for season ticket renewal, so I don't know if they, they know something that we don't know. And the other thing is it's pretty obvious who's running the show over there because because uh, uh, Gerson is th- these these assistant coaches. You can see were hired by the president of basketball operations. Yeah, his fingerprints all over that yeah. one, and no no big surprise. Rose's book kind of interesting. We did catch a little bit of a. Uh, uh, you know, what his take was on a situation that got things so upset at the beginning of that, Jimmy Butler. But, you know, I read it and I went, yeah, I, uh, it wasn't a whole lot in there that, yeah. that we hadn't read before if you're around here and if you're paying attention. Yeah, Derrick Rose, I like him a lot. He was he he's a you know for an MVP and a, a blue chip player, he sure is comes across as an underdog. And uh, uh, he's got his documentary out and everything else. But I I wish that he sticks around. I, I'd love to have him in studio someday because he 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 is not who you would think he is when you get to meet him. You know, Mike, the, the caller mentioned Covington. We were just starting to, to appreciate Covington, mm-hmm. what he brought to defense. And when he went out, there was no expectation we'd never see him again the the rest of the year. I think people have more or less forgotten about him. Yeah, for sure. You forget this kind of a bonus player because uh, he played and he, he did some good things, but well, it's hard to judge, you know. And and I, I'm one of those that says when you give up a superstar for a bunch of guys, usually the, the team that gets the superstar wins. Yeah. Uh, so you know, uh, Philadelphia got Butler, and and he seemed pretty content there. And of course, they went to the second round. But uh, you, you know, one other item on that NBA. This is why you play hard all the time. You don't know. All of a sudden, Toronto gets to the finals. Well, there's no Durant, no Clay Thompson. Guess what? You, you know, you don't know who you're going to get. You because know, sometimes people will say well, it doesn't matter. You're never going to beat so and so. You don't know what so and so is going to look like when you get there. I got to hand it to you, Mike. You picked Toronto mm-hmm. back in, in May. Said uh, gut feeling. <laughs> gut feeling. You know, I blew that one. I fell in love with Milwaukee, and I uh, <laughs> I thought that they were going to take Toronto. Maybe you win it. Yeah, all. I did. Especially it was two zero. I said. Yep. Hey. Uh, I think we can get one more caller in here. We got about a minute to go. Let's go line one. Bill in Halstead. Bill, go ahead. Yeah, Bill Benson Halstead. 
say, Mike, who are the top uh, high school baseball prospects in Minnesota? And if none of them are from the outstate, who are the top outstate prospects? Well, I just mentioned that uh, Frisch and Gilbert are the two best that I know. They're uh, great players that uh, got drafted by the uh, uh, Twins. And, and uh, I haven't seen any of the kids in the outstate play state tournaments this week at uh, four different sites, Jordan and St. Cloud and uh, Seabird Field, and it culminates at, uh, at Target Field at the end. So uh, I know who the um, who's listed as the uh, uh, Mr. Baseball. I'm going to emcee the Mr. Baseball banquet in a couple of weeks, but that, that's all I really know about. I don't know a lot about the top prospects in uh, greater Minnesota. I'll figure that out this week with the state tournament. Mike, what's the uh, pipeline to Oregon State uh, from Minnesota? Let me tell you what's happened, Dave. That's almost an interesting conversation to have time for. But the, the club baseball has taken over. So, therefore, you used to be able – and this is what drove Rob Fornestier nuts. He used to be able to go find these guys that nobody knew about. Now everybody knows yeah. about everybody. So once you, once you splash somewhere, boom. They, they're all over you, and everybody now sees all the great Minnesota prospects they didn't used to see. Sean said Corvallis, nice place to go play baseball. We are out of time for this. We'll be back to talk to uh, Ryan Harper when we come back. Sports Huddle, Sid, Dave, and Mike. We are back, and as promised, we are going to talk some more Twins baseball. One of the nice stories developing this season is the pitching of Ryan Harper. Somewhat of a surprise, perhaps, to make the team, but uh, not only made the team, but he's pitching very well in relief and got his first Major League win. Ryan, how did it feel get that, that number one victory behind you? Hey, how are you, man? Yeah, it's uh, it was awesome. It feels really good. I'm glad the team got the win. Hopefully, we can get the series win today in Detroit. Right. Tell me about running the gamut in terms of velocity and whatnot, because you, you, you're not afraid to go low and go high on that. Is that something you learn to do in the minor leagues? And you know, you always hear pitching coaches say the biggest thing is guys have to trust their stuff. Is that what happens yeah. in the minor leagues to get to the big leagues? Is you have to learn how to trust your stuff and believe you don't have to throw 95 all the time? Yeah, um, doesn't matter what level you are, whether you're in the minor leagues or here, you have to just trust what you have. And obviously, to get to the big leagues, you're not going to be here if you didn't trust the stuff you have. For the most part, I've never been a guy that's going to blow anybody away with uh, velocity on the mound, so I've had to rely on movement. Um, so I got a little movement with my fastball, some little cut to it, and that's a uh, very helpful helpful for me over the years with that pitch. Um, but the curveball, that's been big. I kind of just started out uh, towards the end of my college career and early um, on into pro ball that's when i really just like said all right i'm going to commit to this so i just started changing speeds and uh, making my curveball my identity hello yeah he asked if you've always been a relief pitcher oh yes yes i have been i uh in college i started a little bit but since i've been drafted in pro ball i've always been uh always been a relief pitcher right i've got a question for you you look at the the speed of your pitch when you throw a pitch and you said, "Well, that felt like about seventy two miles an hour." Do you look up to confirm it, or do you have a pretty good mental image of how fast, or in your case, not so fast, the ball got to home plate? I know when um if I if it comes out of my hand how I want to, I know typically about how uh, fast it'll come out. I, I'll usually look at it more on um uh, the cut fastball just to see what that's at for the night. But as far as the breaking balls are concerned, if it comes out of my hand. Um, like how I know it wants to. I know the I can get it anywhere from 68 miles per hour to 80. But every now and then, want to flip and not be where I want it to, and it'll come out of like 66, 67. So I'll look to see what that was. <laughs> what do you think of uh, Johnson as a relief pitcher, as a relief uh, uh, coach? Uh, he's awesome. He's been uh, nothing but helpful to everybody. Everybody likes him, and he's uh, got everybody's back. He's a great guy and happy guy, and easy to get along with. You know, so you guys a have a pitching. you have a meeting before every series, and you go over over every hitter the pitchers do. For you, when you go over Miguel Cabrera, for example, you know he's not in his prime, but he's still a good hitter. What's it like to go through that? Because you know, watch him the other day; he could still light it up, and he's still patient. What's that like when you when you're looking at an all star like that? And you're trying to figure out how to pitch him. Oh yeah, he's a he's a great hitter. He's um, as you said, uh. He's to me like facing. He's still one of the better hitters in the game, and he's one of the better hitters of all time. He's accomplished a lot, so he's a he's a guy you got to prepare for. Um, just because he's gotten older doesn't mean he can't hit. His approach is still unbelievable. His patience is great, and he uh, still puts a barrel on the ball and has a lot of pop. So you just got to go up there and uh, pitch to your strengths and avoid his strengths as best you can. Ryan, uh, talk about frequency of use. If you uh, if you do a full inning and maybe throw 16, 18 pitches, is it pretty locked in? You won't be going the next night? or What sort of understanding do you have on how often you'll be called upon? Um, I'm good to go any night. I don't really get uh, get all that sore. I used to battle some soreness, but I've 
develops this new arm care routine and whatnot over the last few years where I don't really get too sore that much. Now, obviously, if we throw like two or three innings, it might be a little more tired the next day. But I could, if I go an inning or less, I feel I can go pretty much every day. How come you went with the uh, Twins? Did you have a chance to go with other teams? Um, yeah, I had a chance. Just, uh, a lot of times it's right place, right time. And uh, um, unfortunately, it didn't work out for me with the Braves or the Mariners how it like it. Uh, would have liked it to, but um, the Twins, I was very thankful that they um, invited me to camp, and I impressed them, and they trust me enough to make the team and come out here and help them win games, and it's a lot of fun being on the best team in the league. Brian, I've talked to some of the relief pitchers, uh, Blake Parker and Trevor May and Taylor Rogers, and they say that you guys sit out in the bullpen, and this year you, you'll start uh, making bets as to who's going to get a home run at one at bat, and I understand Taylor Rogers has been the best so far, but it's been uncanny because you guys will start throwing it around. I, I think in this matchup, this guy will hit a home run, and, and you've been right a lot of times. Explain what that conversation's like in the bullpen. Well, I'm starting not to like this game because I'm getting killed. I'm not doing very good at it. Um, <laughs> Rogers, Rogers is dominating. That's I heard that. He's really good at it, huh? Yeah, so I'm not a big fan of this game, but I'll ride it out, and hopefully I can get hot. <laughs> I always like, all right, I'm going to call Nelly or Rosie and um, think that's just a smart bet, but sure. <laughs> I just call the wrong at bat. Yeah. It's, just not, it's not working, but uh, the Rodgers is hot. It's a lot of fun. It's cut up down the bullpen. We have a good time. It's a good group of guys. We all get along. It's fun to create little games like that to keep it a little more interesting than it already is. You know, you're a lot older than he is, but not too much more in Major League experience. What do you think was going through the mind of Ryan Eads last night? He got there, what, 15 minutes before the game? All of a sudden, uh, he tell him to warm up, and he's going in. I would imagine that well, he had a lot of family there. It worked out pretty well. <laughs> no, uh, I was I was really pumped for Eads. I played with him uh, all last year between Chattanooga and Rochester. He's a great guy. Could not be a better guy. Could not be happier for him. And um, I was just watching him as he was just um, – kind of getting ready for the game, running out the pin, because I just experienced that like two months ago. And um, he went out there and he handled it great. And I think it was, for him, I, I like how uh, they kind of just got it here the first day, just arriving and pitching. I think that's a good way to do it. You don't really have time to sit down there and think about it for a few games. The less you think about it, the more you just go out there and attack and do what you've been doing the whole year, I think the better off you'll be. And he went out yesterday and he did awesome. That was great watching him. Sounds good. I think Sid's got a final question. How often can you pitch? Um, I can, I can pitch pretty much every day. I, um, for the most part, I try to long toss every day. There's a few days that, like I said, if I'll throw like over two innings, um, or throw one plus for like two or three straight days, I might feel a little sore, but I try to long toss every day, get my arm moving. And for the, I, I recover pretty well. And I feel like I can go and help the team as much or pretty much every day. Ryan Harper, thanks for being on the air. We'll send you a a certificate to Murray's care of your PR guy. He'll get it, and then he'll get a, a certificate to Murray's. Awesome. Thank you so much. That's great. I appreciate you guys having me as well. Thanks right. very much. Hey, right. Good luck this afternoon. Thank you. Y'all have a good day. All right. Uh, we'll be back talking to Kevin Warren, the new uh, commissioner of the Big Ten. He'll join us on the phone in about two minutes from right now. You're listening to Sports Huddle with Sid, Dave, and Mike. Hi, Mike. We're back. Uh, we're trying to get hold of Kevin Warren. Kevin's uh, a couple of time zones away. Uh, uh, you uh, you were out at uh, Viking. Uh, you were just saying you were at the Viking. Yeah, yesterday uh, I went out there and spent some time with Mike Zimmer. He had his youth camp, you right. know. And I got to tell you, the, the the power of the NFL and everything else at a time when you talk about declining numbers for football, that thing sold out, I guess, in about 20 minutes. Yeah, that's what he probably said. speaks to the fact that um, – you know we're so we're now so well educated as to how to sign up for things, but there were kids everywhere. Three hundred and fifty yesterday, three hundred and fifty today, uh, nine to whatever. No charge. Uh, no, and, and Medtronic and 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 the Vikings and this pro camp steps up, and uh, they just make it fun. But I long talk with them afterwards. It's pretty interesting. It sounds like they're going to name a, a stadium after his dad, who was of course a great high school coach, and uh, uh, you know he just talked about you know the game has never been safer and and. Uh, uh, you know, this whole notion of, you know, football sat there and been in defense mode for so long because everybody keeps taking barbs at them and, and, and parents deciding why their kids shouldn't play. They're, they're, you know, we forget there's a lot of good reasons to play, and it was really interesting to see how many kids were out there. And then Adam Thielen had a huge camp right after yeah. that, 2 o'clock outside. I'm going to jump in here, Mike. Uh, well, we're trying to get hold of uh, Kevin Warren. Again, he's out across a couple of time zones. He's a busy man right now. Sid did have a chance to catch up with Gary Kubiak. Why don't we just flip those segments, listen into that. 
All right, uh, that was uh, Gary Kubiak, and uh, Kevin Warren uh, is joining us right now, and we uh, appreciate the, that so much. Uh, Kevin, uh, you're, a, you're a busy guy. Uh, a lot of us were um, awfully surprised, thinking that uh, we knew what <laughs> Why what, didn't you tell us this is going to happen? going on? Uh, tell us a little bit about what led up to, to your uh, being named the commissioner of the Big Ten, and congratulations. Yeah. Thank you very much. I'm never too busy for uh... – for you and, and Sid and all the other uh, people um, associated with you. And, and I'm, I'm just so grateful and thankful and uh, to be uh, given this opportunity. And so I'm looking forward to the challenge. And I start uh, work uh, there at the Big Ten and on September 16th. And so there's a lot for me to take care of uh, these next two and a half months with the Vikings to make sure everything is um, taken care of before I, I hand over the reins. How tough was this decision? I know you've been with the Vikings for a long time. When they first approached you, talk about that. Did you have any decision in your mind with taking the job? Sid, yes. I mean, as you know, as you said, I mean, this uh, uh, the Twin Cities and the state of Minnesota is home for Greta uh, uh, and me and our kids. I mean, the, you know, this is our family. I mean, we've been here since 2005 and and just love uh, the community and have loved working here so yeah anytime you make a, a life change especially to move away from a place that that uh, you've lived in for for many years and we've invested a lot of time and, and energy and effort uh, to to the twin city so this is home we love the people here it's, it's always a, a tough decision but this was just one of those situations that was a really really unique opportunity to have an opportunity to work uh, with some great people uh, in the in the Big Ten conference, and to be able to follow in the huge footsteps of Jim Delaney, um, and I think the thing that really uh, touched my heart and swayed me more than anything is are the challenges. I mean, you know, and and there are a lot of um, items and issues that we're definitely going to have to address that will impact the landscape of college sports uh, for many years to come. But that's what that's what makes it exciting, and and I'm really looking forward to getting to work. Kevin, Mike, Max, your congratulations, first of hey, all. Uh, but, you know, you've got a son that's playing down in Mississippi. Your daughter played. And in listening to you at the, at the press conference, the interview, it sounded like, you know, that's not lost on you in that you have just experienced and are experiencing the student-athlete experience. And, and you want to bring some of that to the table as the commissioner because it's fresh on your mind and you see what it is. What does that mean to you? Is that a big part of the commissioner's job is to try to shape a, a student-athlete's experience? I mean, I, I think the you know the, the important elements from a commissioner standpoint, from at least where I will, will stand, and, and from my viewpoint, is first and foremost is that we need to make sure we create an environment that's holistic, um, uh, that's positive, to make sure that the student athletes are taken care of. Just that we can empower them, uh, embrace the student athletes, give uh, give them an opportunity to get a great world class education. Uh, you know, which is first and foremost. And then we need to make sure we take care of the fans and create a unbelievable fan experience uh, for the fans. We have to make sure we stay strong financially to be able to do all the things that we want to do. Um, and then lastly, we just need to build relationships internally, externally with our partners and the networks and just people in general. I mean, this is an opportunity with this platform that we can touch the lives of so many people, um, you know, in, in and around college sports. But primarily touch the lives of student-athletes uh, to put them in an environment uh, that they, they can get a world-class education, they can be, become better people uh, that will last for their lifetime. And so that's, that's what I'm talk, uh, you know, excited about. It. And, yes, for my daughter to have been a great student, she just graduated from Occidental College and a great athlete, and then my son Powers, who's at Mississippi State now, and, he, and he's in the middle of it. And, so I, you know, and then for me to be a student-athlete, although many years ago, but uh, but to be around it, I just think it provides us with an opportunity to do so much good for the public at large. And that's what, what's something that's really, you know, really exciting. And, and I've been in Big Ten country, you know, these last 15 years. Kevin, you mentioned revenue streams. And if you talk to Mark Coyle, it's hard to talk for more than 45 seconds about talking about cable cutting and the effect of that or what it's going to mean when those contracts come up from re- for renewal. Uh, as you rank the things that you're going to be uh, charged with, how how high on the list is uh, assured, uh, you know, continuing strong revenue streams that have been so heavily based on television revenue? 
I mean, I, I think, you know, any time in any business, uh, you need to make sure that you're, you know, you're strong financially. So the good thing about the way we're doing this transition is that it's going to allow me uh, two and a half months to, to finish my work here at the Vikings. And my parents always taught me to, it's not so much even how you start a relationship, it's really how you end it. And I want to make sure that I end it properly, uh, which then will allow me to start my relationship with the Big Ten properly. Um, and then uh, I will work side by side with Jim Delaney from the middle of September uh, till next January of 2020. So I think it's a really thoughtful, it's a really smart transition period to give us time. And it will be, uh, Dave, during that period that, that, you know, I will start working on, you know, those list of items, just like you said, there's a you know list of priorities. But again, I'm looking forward to be able to get those things on paper, uh, to get a chance to do my research, to study, uh, to learn, to talk with people. And, uh, and so that way, as we go forward and make these decisions, that I can make sure that I'm incredibly well informed. And that's exciting about it, too, is just having a chance to really learn and grow during this process. Was, will the Big Ten Network be a big part of your job? Uh, yes, yes. That we have a, uh, uh, that, that, that has been, you know, it was the, it was the first um, uh, of its kind. And, as, again, that's another one of the things that Jim Delaney was uh, ahead of his time, you know, when he did that. But, uh, you know, the Big Ten Network is, has, uh, has been a great, great network, and it's, it's growing and it's touching so many households. Um, and so that's going to be an exciting to, to work in that whole, you know, TV area and, and, uh, and, um, and just to be able to deal with, you know, the distribution of our, our material and, and just looking forward to even learning and growing in that entire area. You know, Kevin, here in Minnesota, we've seen up close uh, a decline in, in terms of attendance at actual games. And I guess that's been true across the country for a, a lot of colleges and in, in most conferences. Are there some things you can take from the NFL and what you saw and apply them to college? Because certainly the NFL is as sold out as it can be. Are there some things that you can take in that game day experience you think that you learned in the NFL that, that can help uh, lift up some Big Ten schools that are struggling a little bit for attendance? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, it, it, it's you know, life is interesting. I mean, people work hard for their money. Um, and what we need to make sure that we do at the Big Ten is create an environment where people are energized about leaving their home. I mean, nowadays with technology and uh, the way people watch, um, you know, consume content and various platforms from a, uh, at various levels. And, and so something that's always been back on top, center, and around in my mind and working in the NFL during my 20 seasons is the fact that we're, we're, we're competing for, for dollars and we need to make sure that our game day experience, uh, you know, remains high level, that it's positive and, 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 and it, it creates an environment where people are really excited about coming to our stadiums. And so that's something that's another area that I will constantly work on and then think through and, and seek to, to continually for us to get better at Big Ten. I mean, one great thing about the conference, it has so much history and tradition. I mean, and, and, and for it, for anyone who's ever gone to a Big Ten game, I mean, game day in the Big Ten is, is outstanding. I mean, it's a phenomenal. That college game day experience, especially in the Big Ten, is really special. And so we need to make sure that we figure out a way to continue that, that, that environment where people are excited about leaving their homes, about driving to our, our, our stadiums, our re, uh, arenas. And it's for, it's for every sport. It's not only for, for football, for basketball, but it's, you know, it's for for for, you know, every sport in the Big Ten. We want to create an environment that every student athlete, you know, whether you play football, men's and women's basketball, or the Olympic sports, or like I said, baseball or soccer, that that, that environment is holistic, is healthy, uh, it's a great product, and, uh, and it's a great environment for young people to come to get a world-class education with world-class institutions uh, while they're able to be student athletes. Kevin Warren, we're going to let Sid ask the last question, but I just wanted to... Uh... Again, congratulate you, and to, and to thank you and your wife for all that you guys have done in this community. Everybody, I think, knows about what you've done with the Vikings, but you. your imprint on the community is large, and on behalf of, not that I'm a spokesman for the community, but I just want to say thanks for all the great things you guys have done. Well, Dave, as you know, Greta and I and Perry and Powers, we, we are just so honored uh, to, to have been in this wonderful community for so many years, um, and we'll still be active in the community. And we're just grateful. We are grateful to God every day that uh, we were able to live here. And we've had a wonderful experience and gotten a chance to know you and, and your wife and, 
and Mike and Sid and, and so many other people. So thank you for that. Well, you know, we, we, we love everyone here and then I'm excited to, uh, to go on to the next chapter, but uh, we'll always be grateful to what's occurred here with us. Evan Warren, I don't think anybody has been any closer to you than I have. <laughs> I agree. I spend a lot of time with you over the years, and I'm really going to miss you. And uh, you you and your wife spend a lot of time together over the, the years. And for being on the show today, we'll get you a certificate to Murray's as a little uh, deal to show what appreciation I've had of your friendship. Sid, I absolutely, you get me emotional. I absolutely love you. And I've told you that before, uh, what you've meant to my family, what you've meant to uh, my kids, what you've meant to Greta, but most of all, what you've meant to this community. And it has been an honor and a pleasure to call you a friend. And um, and I remember the first day we met, uh, and I'll never forget Sid Harmon. You'll always be in my heart, no matter where I go in the Big Ten around the world. Uh, you are a special man, and I'm just grateful that we had an opportunity to spend the time we have together, and I look forward to, to having many years, more years together, and I can't wait to your 100th birthday party. <laughs> Nicely said. Thanks, Kevin. Thanks, Kevin, thanks right, so thank much. You. We'll wrap All up. Right, have a great day. All right, God bless you. Bye-bye. Happy Sunday. Thank you. That's Kevin Warren. We'll make way here for P.J. Fleck right after this break. Sports Huddle, Sid, Dave, and Mike. All right, we are back, and P.J. Fleck is standing by to talk to us. But first, Sid, I know you want to say something about your friends at Starkey. Starkey has been a great thing for me when it comes to helping my hearing. I can't, as I can't talk better about Starkey than anything. If you had trouble with your hearing, please see Bill Austin at Starkey in Eden Prairie, and he can help you more than anybody. Thank you. All right, Sid. So now <laughs> say good morning to PJ Fleck. P.J. Fleck. Yeah, go for football coach. Okay, what's happening with the players right now? They come back to school. What are they doing? Yeah, the players have been here for about three weeks already in the summer. They just got done with their May academic term, uh, which is kind of a portion of summer school. And then tomorrow they actually start summer school for real. So uh, all of our freshmen are here, which are really excited to have them on campus. And, uh, you know, we got a big team meeting in the morning, and then we'll get rolling. So, um, summer is uh, off and running. They'll be working out. They'll be lifting. They'll be having their own player practices, doing what they do. Um, this is a time of year where the coaches can't have a lot of contact with them at all in terms of the coaching aspect. And we're on the road recruiting in camps as, uh, anyway. So a uh, very exciting time, though. We add new players to our team and, and uh, start to create the 2019 team. Are you excited about a lot of freshmen? I'm really excited about our freshmen. I'm excited about our whole football team, you know, but it's always exciting this time of year. You have a lot of players that start in January, obviously, with freshmen these days, but you also have guys that come in the summer, and this is their first time being at the University of Minnesota, experiencing all that they're going to experience. Uh, but it's also uh, guys that, you know, after this, uh, this is pretty much what's going to be our team for 2019. So it's nice to have those guys on campus. It's nice to be able to bring them along with the varsity and, and uh, you know, start to form our team. I see you rated fourth in the country in the 220 class. What a good deal that is. Well, that's a long way away, you know, from the 2021 signing day. But we're really excited about the guys we have. and You know, the, the recruiting is a battle. It's a battle every single day. It's going to continue to be a battle. These are highly, highly uh, rated players and very talented players that a lot of people will be after. So, you know, um, we're very thankful. A lot of players have picked the University of Minnesota for all the right reasons. And, and uh, but recruiting's got a lot of highs, got a lot of lows, and you just kind of go with it. And uh, but I'm really excited the uh, the attention that we're getting. Uh, not only that, the amount of players that do want to be part of the University of Minnesota and what we're doing here. And it's a special time. It's a special time uh, for the Go for Football uh, fans and and Go for Football team. And um, you know we're really excited about that. Winfield is he going to be ready when the fall starts? Yep, Winfield to be all ready to go. You got it, Sid. He'll be ready to go. PJ, when you talk about these camps that you guys recruit to, and things have changed over the years, and they used to all just go to individual camps. What are these camps like? Because they're kind of regional, and colleges can attend. And, and is that is that help Minnesota or not in terms of being able to see more prospects? 
Well, the biggest thing is you want to see as many prospects as you possibly can. But not only that, you want to see the right prospects. So there's a lot of areas that we recruit heavily that we'll have these – there people have these mega camps that we're invited to. And and a lot of times at 1AA schools or FCS level schools, and you know, 50 Division A schools will be there or FBS schools will be there uh, looking at these players. And, you know, there's camps that have 1,000 kids, 1,500 kids. And you can you might be only looking at 20 of them, but you get a chance to see so many of them, and you get a chance to cross them off, get a chance to circle them, you get a chance to see players maybe you've never seen before. So we go to the areas that we actually recruit, and we have we go to these mega camps, and then we also have our own mega camps where we invite a lot of FCS schools uh, over to our place as well. So it's a very busy time of year, uh, maybe one of the busiest times of year, uh, even including the season and January and December. Uh, this is a very busy time. It's a busy time because it's a time for us to be able to get live evals of 2020 recruits, but also 2021s, 2022s. Uh, it's a very important time for us right now. And, um, you know, we're all over the country. PJ, you were an advocate for the early signing, which came along and the Gophers fared very well. Do you have a kind of formula in your mind? Say you had, we'll just pick a number of 25 kids. Would you like to have like 22 lined up by then and then maybe like keep two, three, four for the later signing period to see what develops? Yeah, you know, the first year that we had the early signing period, I think we signed everybody uh, in December. And then we signed everybody again last December for our 2019 class. Uh, but we had one or two extra uh, that we hold on to. And I, I think it's going to be the same thing, maybe another one or two, just because of the transfer portal of, of what it's become. Uh, I think we're evolving that way where maybe you'd save three or four just to be able to have um, for the transfer portal. But I really like where our team is at. And I really like our style and how we're recruiting for the majority, bringing high school players in here and developing them from freshman all the way through senior year and, and making this a developmental program where sooner or later you can get that 24, 25, a year senior class uh, that you can continue to reload, not just rebuild every year. And, you know, I think we're getting to that. You know, we still only have I think, 12 seniors, something like that this year. And next year we don't have as many as well. But that first big class we brought in, you know, that's coming through. And then after year after that, it'll be the same. And, and uh, so we're still two years away from that uh, about having a huge senior class. But I really like our football team right now. But we might keep one or two extra on top of maybe what we've done just because of the portal system and what it's become, uh, especially when you have immediate needs uh, that could pop up. Is there any position you're worried about? I'm a head football coach, Sid. I'm worried about all of them. Uh, I always worry, you know, and that's one thing. You just uh, you, you do everything you can to make them better, uh, build their confidence as a person, as a player, as a man. Uh, and do everything you can to, to make them better every single day. And, and I think that's what our staff continues to do every day. But you constantly worry um, just about how you can make things better. Am I doing everything I possibly can in every area, academically, athletically, socially, and spiritually? So uh, I think you always do at times. But um, but no, not specifically in terms of one particular person. Um, I'm not worried about anybody. Um, uh, they're uh, They're working really hard. PJ, you know, your walk-on program, I was talking to a father of a kid that walked on for you and, and said, okay, I get it. I'm not at this level. Uh, but everybody wants to try it. Everybody watches on TV and they go, I wonder how I can compete there. How do you decide, you know, who's kind of a qualified walk-on and who should take a shot at it? Well, you know, it's, it's very honest conversations. You know, I think uh, those are some of the hardest conversations you have to have with people uh, on the good side and on the tough side. Um, but, you know, that's what these camps are for. You know, if we feel like somebody isn't quite there as a scholarship athlete's going to need time to develop, but we feel like he, they have it in them, then we can we can talk about being able to walk on. Uh, there's a lot of times there's players that are good enough, but let's say I'm only taking two wide receivers, and the third wide receiver is definitely good enough. Uh, I could offer him a walk-on spot because I'm only taking two wide receivers. So he's definitely good enough to be a scholarship athlete, but I'm only going to take two, and he'd be the third guy uh, if that was the case. So – there's multiple instances like that. Um, every story is different. Every individual is different. And every year is different. But I do know this. You know, we've, we've rewarded 12 walk-ons with scholarships over the last two years that we've been here, which is an astronomical number. Um, and I'm very proud of that. Uh, I was so close to being a walk-on. I pretty much was a walk-on and until like the last day before signing day. So, um, you know, I, I understand what that's like. I'm very sensitive towards that. And, um, you know, whether we were at Western Michigan or here, uh, we've had a lot of walk-ons contribute and be a huge part of our program and have made our program better every single day. So we're going to continue to reward those players and continue to look for those players because they are the lifeblood of the program.
Are there any plays who played in four games last year that you're excited about? Sure. I mean, there's uh, Brevin Span Ford. Um, you look at, you know, Curtis Dunlap Jr. You look at those guys, I mean, they only played a few games. Um, so ooh, those are guys who are going to really help us this year. And, um, you know, we're really thankful we had that rule last year with as many young players as we did. Well, PGA Flack, always a pleasure. Have you on the air. And Murray's loves it when you come in. And by the way, there's a lot of tickets available at a cheaper prices. And the football's going to have a great schedule. PGA Flack, you'll get a Murray certificate like you always do. Thank you. You got it. Row the boat, Sky Ma. Go Gophers. Thanks, guys. All right, it's PJ Flick. We'll take your phone calls. I'm going to give the numbers here. 651-989-9226. As we go to break, Sports Huddle, Sid, David, Mike. All right, we are back, and we've got a chance here to catch up with Jamie Traxel. Uh, certainly, uh, the Gopher softball team had a terrific year, got a chance to see a taste of the College World Series, ran into a really good team in UCLA. We've got a chance to talk to uh, <clears throat> Coach right now. Jamie, uh, just uh, give us... You know, who's who's graduating and who's, uh, well, everyone who's not uh, graduating obviously is back. you got a lot of stars coming back. But you're going to lose some some names, players we've kind of gotten used to seeing for you. Yeah, definitely. Um, we're losing Miss Minnesota, Maddie Houlihan. Yeah. Um, you know, it's been a, a golden goal for forever, and she's done, had an incredible career here at Minnesota and been an impact player for four years. So um, we'll definitely lose her, and not just her stats, but her heart and you know, and who she is and how she represents this program and the university. So um, that'll be a big loss for us in in terms of everything she's given to this program, including um, her representation of it. So we'll lose Sid Smith. And uh, Sid was one of our pitchers with Amber Pfizer that got most of the innings. And, you know, she's a, a player that was just steady and consistent, and she had a ton of experience. You know, from Minnesota, had played at LSU for two years and then came back and um, just did a good job. Just a steady presence with a lot of experience, um, good command of her pitches, and, and gave our defense chances to make outs. And um, so I think that's going to be a big – it's always hard to replace pitchers. It's hard to replace everybody, but pitchers particularly. And so um, losing a senior pitcher isn't – you know, you always miss them and you feel the weight of that a little bit more. Jamie, though, you hit the re- – I was see, you hit the recruiting trail now, though. What what does that brand do for you now that you've been in the College World Series? Yeah, it's um, you know you, you feel proud to represent the program, and I'm down in Tulsa right now in in the rain. But um, lots of congratulations and a lot of people that are noticed. And Minnesota is a national brand, and we've known that for a while. So uh, we're going to make sure that we work hard this summer for this program and and represent it the way that we need to and go out and attack and recruit the right kind of people and players that we need in this program to be successful on a national stage. What percentage of your squad will return next year? About 75% of them. We lose four seniors. Um, So we'll lose the four seniors. We have four kids committed and, um, you know, potentially bringing in a couple more if we can. And so... But we return the bulk of our team, including including Amber Pfizer and a lot of key pieces, uh, two, two of our best hitters in our lineup, McKenna Partain, you know, the complete all-around player. And then we'll get Ellie Jensen back from, from her medical red shirt. So we got a lot of pieces that are coming back and, and looking forward to, you know, our team continuing to get better. Is there a good recruiting class in the state this year? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Lots to be excited about there. Jamie, what does your summer look like then? You know, you've got these club teams, these different tournaments. People maybe don't understand how softball works at, uh, at high school level. If you want to get noticed, uh, is that where you go to a lot of the club kind of tournaments? Um, yeah, it's a combination of both because Iowa has high school softball in, oh, in the sure. summer. So, yep. So we'll be at you know obviously trying to control our local recruiting and attacking that because you get you have to win your local recruiting battles and. And then, you know, we'll be at it some, a lot of the big tournaments that we've been at, you know, in previous years. But uh, lots of camps, you know, still introducing and getting to know certain organizations throughout the country, letting them get to know Minnesota, who our staff is, and, and how we do things. And so uh, for about two months, we'll be on the road recruiting. What kind of a schedule will you have next year? 
<laughs> we'll have a good schedule. It'll be announced in the fall. Jamie, we appreciate it very much. Thanks for taking some time. I think Sid Hartman has one more thing to say. And okay. Jamie Trashel will get you a certificate to Murray's, the best steak in town. And thanks for being on the show. Oh, it's awesome. It's my pleasure. I'm grateful to be here. Thanks for the opportunity. Thanks, Jamie. Yeah, congratulations on this season. Looking forward to next year. Thanks so much for joining us. That's Jamie Traxel. We're going to take your calls to finish out the show. Again, we're off at 11 today because of the early Twins game. We'll have about five minutes for your phone calls. This is the time to call. The numbers 651-989-9226. We'll be back right after this to take those calls. Sports Huddle, Sid, Dave, and Mike. All right, we'll cut out on Frank so we can get another phone call in here. Let's go to Dan in Lake Chatech. You were first, Dan. Go ahead. Hey, guys. First-time caller, long-time listener. Good. Just wondering, uh, hey, uh, with the Treadwell for the Vikings, does he, um, do you think he has a future yet, or is this his last year, or what are they doing for a third receiver? I'll it's hang up. And- it's his last year. They haven't picked up an option. Uh, they got the kid in from uh, uh, Denver, Jordan Taylor, who yeah. I talked to this week, and he, I think, will be the number three receiver. I think Zilstra has a chance to move up on the depth chart. I don't think that they've uh, – uh, I've given up on Treadwell, but I think it's now in his court, and they say, hey, show us because we've given you every opportunity. Now you show us what you can do because we can't just keep throwing you the ball. All right, we're going to mix in some text messages. Sid, this text message is for you. Ask Sid if he ever thinks the Twins will have a payroll in the upper half of Major League Baseball, and what do you think the chances are the Twins will make a trade before the end of the trade deadline, which is earlier this year? I think if they want to stay up, they have to add the pitching staff. I don't think that pitching staff is good enough to hold up right now. It's shown that way in the last couple of weeks. I think they need to go out and get a good pitcher. So far they've been doing that by bringing guys up from the farm system, but I'm hearing you say you think they're going to have to go out and actually make a trade for somebody or buy somebody. How about the guy they brought up last night? He did fine. <laughs> Eads did well. I mean, that was, you know, but who knows? It's well, one guy got up last night and did well. How about the guy we that, talk- gave, that gave up five yeah. runs? Yeah, we talked about him earlier. I think his days may be numbered as they look at the pitching staff. Uh, let's go to the next caller, Mike and Egan. Go ahead, Mike. Hey, yeah, caller about P.J. Fleck. I sure. was just wondering, you know, at what point do the Minnesotans stop taking or take off the kid gloves, right? I mean, he hasn't really lit the world on fire and in my humble opinion i've been going to that stadium for for thir- over 30 years uh he brings in row the boat when we had sky Yuma, which we had we've had for over 100 years and makes it about him instead of about the team and program and still yet i think he's getting a free pass which is pretty frustrating to an alum a supporter and everything else well mike uh, how'd you like the wisconsin game in the bowl game I think we might have lost him. Uh, let's go uh, to uh, John in Fargo. we got time for maybe this last caller. Go ahead, John. Why does Buxton wear that mitten, and why doesn't he wear it on both hands? What now? Buxton wears the mitten to keep his fingers from getting stepped oh, on. Oh, yeah, when, uh, when he's sliding because he yeah. knows which one he slides down with. and which one, he, You can't hit the one one because right. it's underneath you. The other one's the only one you got to worry about. Yeah, and uh, you're going to see more and more guys. And it, go, it protects all the fingers, too. It yeah. sticks his, his hand in. You know, uh, what, uh, we've got another uh, – so we've had another – 30 seconds. No, we don't. We're 15 seconds. I want to thank our, our guests today. We're out early. We're trying to get used to this twin schedule. Sean Johnson, Jimmy Traxel, uh, Kevin Warren, Ryan Harper, PJ Fleck. Uh, thank you for your calls and texts. We'll be back full time next week. Sports Huddle, Sid, Dave, and Mike. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. Back clock at four. Donchich. The Step Back 3. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.